Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are tuned in to the Path of Revelation podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Parker. This is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I am so excited. This is episode two. I'm just getting started. I want to thank everybody who tuned in to episode one. I've been getting amazing feedback. I I really appreciate all of the feedback, all of the critiques, all of the questions, all of the comments and things of that nature. It's really helpful. And and really, I welcome it all because I really want this, this show to be a resource for you. But listen, I have a great show ahead for you. I'm going to be discussing Christian artists collaborating with secular artists. What is the big deal? Are there pros and cons? How has this affected the church over the years? How has this affected our witness and our evangelism efforts to a dying world? And so I really want to talk about this topic. I want to hear from you guys. And and, and I'm really looking forward to sharing and, and give you biblical, what I believe to be biblical perspective on these conversations and maybe give you a more balanced view of this topic. So listen, I, I begin to think like, man, what is the Path of Revelation podcast to you, Gabe, in a nutshell? And as I begin to think about it, I'm like, man, this show is really just an invitation, giving you, the public, an invitation into my brain and how I wrestle through these topics. Um, and 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 it's, what's funny is each show is like a combination of years of me wrestling through these topics and and seeking God, praying for understanding and, and things of that nature, compact into maybe an hour show or a half an hour segment. And so this the Path of Revelation podcast is a is an invitation into the mind of Gabriel. And how I wrestle through these issues as a believer, because my goal is really to exalt Christ and honor Christ with my life. And and I believe as Christians, we should be approaching life and and topics and, and scenarios that 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 are thrown in our face or come at us. We should be approaching it from a perspective of how should I be thinking about this as a Christian? How should I be moving in this as a Christian? How should I be tackling this subject or topic as a Christian? Because man, our goal should be to honor Christ in everything that we do. And so one of the things that I've learned is that man, you can't turn on television, radio, hop on social media, go to school or work without having so many different ideologies and mindsets thrown at you that are contrary to God's word. And because we are human beings in our flesh and the flesh, the Bible says our flesh, the carnal mind is hatred towards God. It hates God that there are times where we as Christians, because we we get distracted because we're in our flesh. And and I don't know about you. There are there are times where I, I get distracted. Yes, I'm not I'm not the Christian that walks around acting like I'm sinless and I'm perfect. But there are times where I get distracted. And so one of the things that I've learned is as Christians, we have to learn how to deny our flesh. Romans eight is a great chapter for you to check out. It talks about the importance of walking in the spirit and how to be spiritually minded is life. 
but to be fleshly minded or carnally minded is death. Jesus always challenged people to deny them their flesh. People that wanted to follow him or approached him about following him. It's interesting. Jesus always challenged their idols or things that that he saw that would be in the way of them following him. And something that Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, he says, if any man will come after me, he must first deny himself. And, and one of the things that I've learned is denying ourselves does not end at the day that we give our life to Christ. But it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a it's a lifetime of killing our flesh. It's a lifetime of of saying yes to the things of God and saying no to the things of our flesh. And so as Christians, man, we have to learn how to deny our flesh. And here's the reality. We wouldn't be tempted. We wouldn't, sin wouldn't be a problem. And I was just telling my friend this the other day, sin, sin wouldn't be a problem if it didn't feel good. The Bible talks about sin having pleasure for a season. And, you know, one of the prerequisites to being tempted is you have to actually be attracted to what you're being tempted by. And so here's the reality. Sin has a pleasure to it. But we as Christians have to learn how to walk in the spirit and deny our flesh. And how can we walk in the spirit? We have to be in his word. We have to be in prayer. We have to be fasting. We have to be building up ourselves and, 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 and putting on the whole armor of God. And so I'm really excited because I'm expecting the Path of Revelation podcast to serve as a resource for you as a believer to help you do that because we need each other. We need each other in the body of Christ. But listen, before I move on, I do want to deal with um, just expound really quick on episode one. I, I've, I've heard the feedback. I've heard some of the critiques and things of that nature and specifically dealing with um, the segment of Christians engaging in secular art. I just want to say this because I believe it's extremely important. It is important for us as Christians to guard our hearts and our minds. And I know I may have said this during that segment, but I do, there, there were some scriptures and, and, and a few points that I wanted to make and elaborate on, but I made a mistake and overlooked them in my notes. Hey, it happens. But listen, it is important, it's extremely important for us as Christians to guard our hearts and our minds. Psalms 119 and 37 says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. In the, in the original Hebrew, the word beholding means to watch or to see, and not just to watch or see, but to consider. So in other words, turn away mine eyes from considering vanity and make me alive in your way. We have to understand as, as Christians that when we consider the vain things that we see, that it literally goes against our growth in Christ. And so we have to be careful of the things that we're, we're entertaining. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so, man, how can we trust in God? Like, um, like Proverbs uh, 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. How can we trust in God with all of our heart 
and we're making deposits of things that are contrary to God's word. And so, man, we have to be guarding ourselves and and, and make sure that we're not just taking in everything and enter, entertaining everything because first Peter five and eight says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion walk about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible also refers to Satan in Ephesians two and two as the prince of the power of the air. Uh, in, in, in the Bible, when it says air is speaking of atmosphere or um, in modern day times, we can translate that to airwaves. Um, that's why I talked about you can't jump on television or, or, or social media or radio without hearing so many agendas and ide ideologies and mindsets that are contrary to the mind of Christ. And so we as Christians, we have to be sober to to the tricks of the enemy. And we can't have confidence in our own flesh. You know, every bad decision, um, the most of the bad decisions that I've ever made uh, in my walk with the Lord has been a result of me having confidence in my flesh. Because look at, listen, your flesh ain't saved. <laughs> my, my pastor always says it, man, your, your flesh ain't saved. Listen, I don't care how saved you are or how saved you think you are. Your flesh is not saved. Listen, are we going to have to deal with our flesh until we go to glory, until we go to heaven and see Jesus face to face? We are still in corruptible flesh. And so as believers, we have to make sure that we're building up our spirit, man, and doing those things by prayer, by fasting in the word. But listen, I'm excited, man. I have a great show ahead for you. Before we hop into this amazing show, the uh, featured song for this episode is our song, Bow Down. It's from our latest album, Everything Changes. It's available on all digital outlets. Let's get it. Uh, yeah. It's that anthem type of music, you know what I mean? Uh, knees down, hands up. <laughs> yeah. They say, life is what you make it. make it, so you hold on to everything you label sacred. But what we call sacred can't match up with Savior, can't worship creation. Instead of the maker, he's calling a nation who will be that agent. And army will feet to the pavement. I got a God who is greater than anyone in the circumstance. If we come into some terry lands, even if it's under fam, trust in his government. I got victory, cause simply I surrendered my life. I wake up with joy, my mindset is poised, the weeping it do for a night. I'm submitted to Christ, so all things gotta bow down. I struggle with lessons that God said enough, so impurity is an employed now. Uh, depression and fear has lost its grip, so come and take a sip. But it's amazing gift, it's only found in Him. Come and bind in this, go greater love than this. Uh, what type of God got this kind of power? Imitate his will, cobble in a final hour. All in heaven, all peace, that he has the keys to the grave, so just bear with your steam. Real talk, just you ain't gotta sing. Worthy is the lemon rolls over everything. I got a king on my team with a pedigree, so let us sing with the angels and let it ring. We aim to please our king, not to please a crowd. Please a crowd. Every tongue confess, knees bow down. Bow down. Truly unashamed, why close our mouths? Every time confess, please bow down. Bow down, bow down, bow down, bow down. Every time confess, please bow down. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We back, we back. So let's let's hop right into it. Christian artists collaborating with secular artists. What what is the big deal? Aren't we called to reach the world? Shouldn't we be going into the world to be lights? And when I say secular artists, I'm talking about secular artists who preach ideologies and doctrines in their music that are contrary to the word of God, who glorify sex, drugs, alcohol, idolatry, and blaspheme. Listen, I think this is a conversation Unfortunately, just like the conversation of Christians engaging secular art, I believe this is a conversation that has begun to lose relevance amongst a lot of Christians. And, and, and one of the reasons why I believe it's begun to lose relevance amongst a lot of believers is because I believe we have been conditioned, especially here in the American church, we have been conditioned to create Christian celebrities and Christian superstars and follow these these individuals as the leaders in Christendom. They are our leaders in church. We, we, we follow celebrity preachers. We follow celebrity prophets. We follow celebrity Christian artists. And, and oftentimes, I believe we value the opinions of Christian superstars more than we do the Bible. And so pretty naturally, this topic begins to lose its relevance as we follow men and women who clothe their vain ambitions for fame and money with church cliches and scriptures. And so to be honest, this isn't a conversation that many Christian artists uh, and preachers who have ambitions of fame and money are really willing to entertain with uh, Christians who have different points of view because this conversation is not good for business. It's not good for collaborations and partnerships with the world. Like anytime you really start diving into uh, sanctification and holiness and what it means to really be a Christian, what it looks like to be in the world and not of the world, what Ephesians 5 and 11 means when it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. It, like when we start diving into what these things actually look like in real life and application, it's not a good look for you if your ambitions are to be loved and affirmed by the world. And listen, I want to be clear on what I'm not saying. I'm not saying because a Christian has fame or, or they're a celebrity or they have a huge following that that automatically makes them wrong. Um, because I, I, I know some people may perceive that's what I'm saying, and that's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think there's a problem <clears throat> when we automatically assume that the Christians with the largest following are automatically right on the stances that they take. I think we we qualify people's doctrine and their stance by how large their following is and not um, based on whether or not the stance that they're taking is actually lining up with scripture. And so that's my that's my issue. A lot of times we we have respect of persons and and we value things. And and, and some a point that I made on episode one um, concerning what I'm talking about right now. Oftentimes in scripture, the people of God were in the minority, the the, the, the great names in the Bible that we we praise today or recognize today, like the apostles and 
and different ones, the prophet Elijah, in their day and time, man, they weren't popular. They weren't the majority. These guys was running for their lives. They were being imprisoned. They were being beaten for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the, the message of the cross and, and these things of this nature. And so I, I think we, we have been conditioned to, to esteem celebrity and, and value celebrity and automatically assume that worldly success is godly success. And that's not consistent with what scripture says. First Timothy 6 and 6 lets us know that godliness with contentment is great gain. And so moving forward, we've seen a lot of collaborations uh, with Christian artists, collaborating with secular artists. We've seen Christian artists such as Lecrae feature Big Crit, Paul Wall, David Banner, Bun B. He more recently just put out a joint album with a secular producer Zaytoven, and on that project it features Waka Flocka Flame. We've also seen recently Snoop Dogg put out a gospel album which features multiple gospel artists and gospel legends such as Fred Hammond, uh, Rance Allen, Ty Tribbett, Shirley Caesar. And, and so this is becoming a norm. We've also seen Tasha Cobbs feature Nicki Minaj on her latest album. We've also seen on Jay-Z's album, the Clark Sisters is featured on, on Jay-Z's latest album. And I'm sure I'm missing some collaborations because so many are happening. It's the norm now. But listen, I want to play this Tasha Cobbs interview where she's giving the reasoning behind why she did the collaboration with Nicki Minaj. And the reason why I want to play Tasha, this Tasha Cobbs interview is not to single Tasha out, but I believe the reasoning that she gives is a representation of the reasoning that I consistently hear on why it's okay for Christian artists to collaborate with secular artists and why we need to stop judging and stop being so judgmental. And so let's listen to this interview and I'm gonna come back and respond to some of the uh, points that Tasha makes in her interview, but I also wanna to give you some more points and some more things to chew on. And so here's the Tasha Cobbs interview on why she collabed with Nicki Minaj. And I do not own the rights to this interview. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, what a lot of people don't know about that is that Nicki and I have relationships. About four years ago, I did Celebration of Gospel on BET, and Nikki sent out a tweet saying, hey, who is Tasha Cobbs? Your ministry just really blessed me. And then fast forward about a year and a half later, literally about once a month, Nikki was on my Instagram liking pictures, liking pictures, like, is this the real Nicki Minaj, you know? <laughs> and so finally, she sends me a, a, a message in my DM. And she says, in case you haven't noticed, I am in love with your ministry. And I responded to her and I told her, thank you. And from that moment on, about a month later, she reached out to me and said, is it okay if I have your number? And from then on, we would text each other and I would tell her I'm praying for her. She would write me back and say, hey, this is what's going on right now. And I'm praying for you. She really has a great relationship yes, with does. God. You know, Nikki grew up in a Christian home. And sometimes we can judge people according to their outward appearance. And we never know what they're going through on the inside or what situation is keeping them where they are. And so 
so she said to me one day when she knew I was recording, she sent me a message on Instagram in front of millions of people. And she said, uh, Tasha, when you finish with this song, send it to me. I'm going to put 16 bars on there. So, of course, the pressure on me now. Like, you just told 90 million people you want to be on my album. Yeah. So I heard the song, I'm, I'm Getting Ready. And I, I knew that she was aware of the song. She had told me how much she loved it. And I felt like this was a song that really spoke to her. And so I sent the song to her and she immediately responded and said, yes, I, I was hoping this was the song that you would send me. And she said, this is the first time I'll ever put, I've ever put my relationship with God on display and I would love to do it on your album. And, um, you know, a lot of people gave backlash about it, but they didn't know the backstory behind it. And I, I, it's not that I just reached out and said, hey, Nikki, would you be on my album? It, it came out of relationship. And who am I to say, no, you can't praise God on my album. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and I had to bring so that up because that story is like getting old. That is one of my, what's well, my second favorite on it. Have you heard that song, I'm Getting Ready? I love it. And uh, Nikki did her thing too. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Yes, she Maybe did. one she might show up at BB Kings. We don't know. You have a question? Um, so many comments that I've received day, I mean daily people write me saying I've never bought a gospel album I've never bought gospel music until I saw you on Nikki's page and they, and they didn't just buy the single they literally bought the album and it's been changing their lives I literally I had one person that reached out and said I didn't believe in God until I heard this song you know so with those testimonies I would absolutely hands down do it again do it again so that was the Tasha Cobbs interview where she talks about why she did the collaboration with Nicki Minaj. And again, I w I'm not singling Tasha out, but I did want to play her interview because I believe it's, it represents a reasoning for why most Christian artists say they do the collaborations with secular artists. But I want to point out a few things that Tasha Cobbs said in her interview that I think are extremely, extremely problematic. And first and foremost, we have to understand Tasha Cobbs has influence. She's she's viewed as a worship leader around the world. We sing her songs during our services. And so she represents a person of influence. She's someone who when the, when she speaks, people listen, the church listens. And so the, one of the first things that she said that was very problematic, she said about Nicki Minaj was she said she really has a great relationship with God. And the problem, what, what was so problematic about that statement is if you're familiar with Nicki Minaj, you know that she's sexually explicit. You know that she glorifies fornication and adultery in her music. You know that she brags about oral sex in her music and in her art. And these are the things that she's teaching and preaching unashamedly in her art. And so when a person like Tasha Cobbs, who is a worship leader, affirms an individual who represents everything contrary to the word of God in her art, it sends the message that you can live any type of way you want to live and still have a relationship with God and not just have a relationship with God, but a great relationship with God. And so you could serve the devil. You could serve your flesh and still be in right standing with God. And so it sends the wrong message that you truly don't have to repent to be saved. 
even though Jesus said, no man can serve two masters for he'll love one while despising the other. For you to have a great relationship with God, you have to repent of your sin, not celebrate it. And so I think this statement is very problematic. I think it's problematic for those who are new into the faith and those who don't know God at all. And you know what's crazy? What's, what's not fair? It's, it's so not fair. But what, what, what's not fair is we can judge people to heaven all day and nobody says anything. We could put people in heaven all day despite their lifestyles, despite their sinful lifestyles, despite their evil deeds. I mean, these people can come out and say they worship the devil, they're into witchcraft and everything. And we can still judge people, those people to heaven and nobody says anything. But the moment you start talking about how their lives are not in line with God's word and how the things that they represent are abominations and, and are sinful and how the wages of sin is death. And oh, now you're too judgmental. Now you're unloving. And I actually talk about this in my blog titled Judgmental Christians on our website. But the second thing that was very problematic to me uh, about Tasha Cobb's interview was when she said, that Nikki reached out to her and told her this will be the first time I ever put my relationship with God on display. And so the question I would ask is, what has she been putting on display prior to doing a gospel song with Tasha? What has she been displaying even after she did a gospel song? Because we know a lot of these with it's funny because with all of these secular collaborations, it's not one particular collaboration that I can point to and say, yo, this person collaborated with the Christian artist. And then after the collaboration, they stopped putting out godless music. They stopped pulling out demonic music. It's, the secular artist always goes back to putting out the same music, the same message. And a lot of times they actually get worse. They actually get worse. The next thing that stood out to me in the interview. And I think this is the last thing is the last thing she said. She says, who am I to say you can't praise God on my album? Who am I? You know, this is, this is a, a statement that I always hear people say, you know, wh whenever I have this conversation with people, I've heard, I've had people say, Gabe, man, who are we to say somebody can't praise God? Who am I to say somebody can't thank, thank the Lord? And then my response is always, that's not even the argument that I'm making. That's not even the argument that I'm making. The problem is we equate thanking God to worship. And the reality is thanking God isn't always mean that you worship in God because worship is rooted in repentance. Worship is rooted in submission. See, I can thank God and not actually worship God. There are people that that tell God, thank you every day. There are people that pray every day, but they have they don't have a relationship with God because they care more about the things that they're thanking him for than they actually do him. They don't have a desire for his word, because if they did, they would actually be obeying it. If they had a desire for the for his word, they will be actually walking in repentance. And so I always tell people, man, it, I'm not trying to keep somebody from thanking God or praising God. But we have to realize that the Lord reigns on the just and the unjust alike.
and that anybody can thank God. You know, I, I can I go to a store or a restaurant and a stranger holds the door open for me and I tell that stranger thank you or or vice versa. They they tell me thank you. That doesn't mean I know that person. I'm just thanking them for the good thing that they just did for me. That doesn't mean I I care to know their their likes and their dislikes. It doesn't mean that I care to know about the things that they hate and the things that they love. I'm just simply telling them thank you. And this is how people do God all the time. They tell God, thank you. They tell God, I praise you. They'll even sing a gospel record to him, but they have no real desire of repentance. And so I think it's problematic when when Tasha is painting and affirming Nikki as someone who has a great relationship with God when her works are opposite of what the Bible says that should look like. And listen, my gripe isn't with the secular artists. My gripe, my issue isn't with Nicki Minaj or, or the secular artists that the gospel artists collaborate with. My issue is with the Christian artists. That's who my issue is with because we are supposed to be the ones that have the standard. We are supposed to be the ones that are reproving the world and, and showing the world the way to Christ, not a watered down version of Jesus that says, hey, come as you are and stay as you are. But we're supposed to be showing the world the Jesus that says, come as you are so I can change who you are. And I hear people, I always have people tell me, Gabe, well, Jesus ate with sinners. We're supposed to go into the world and reach the world. How can we reach the world if we're not willing to leave the church? And, and I say amen to all of that. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. But how we reach people matters. And so we're not really helping people for the kingdom's sake when we make them think that they're in right standing with God just because they sung a gospel song or because they pray and thank God for, for, their, for, the, for their life and, and health and strength. Because you can thank God for all of those things and still never repent and still never have any fruit of repentance. And so a lot of times we think we're helping people, but we're actually enabling them. And so when people say, man, it's, man, Jesus ate with sinners, I say, man, this ain't Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus eating with sinners, he sat and ate with sinners to build relationship with them and to show them the gospel and show them the ways of the kingdom. But Jesus never shared a sermon with them. He didn't share a sermon with the people that he was called to preach to. He didn't, we didn't, we never saw the apostles or Jesus doing a sermon on the mountaintop or, or a sermon somewhere. And, he, and they say, hey, after I speak, I want, hey, adulterer, hey, fornicator, I want you to come up here and share, share the microphone with me or share the stage with me. After I talk, I want you to give God some glory. Why didn't they do that? Because they did not want to send a mixed message. There is a standard to this thing. And I'm no, and I know none of us are perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a difference between a believer and a non-believer. There is a difference between someone who has been saved and purchased by the blood of Jesus and, and the spirit of God dwells on the inside of them from a person who does not have the spirit of God. There is a difference. And I know we, we're, we're, we're afraid to make things black and white because we don't want to offend anybody. 
We don't want to step on nobody's toes. But Jesus said, man, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And in other words, it wasn't that Jesus didn't represent uh, peace and that he's not the Prince of Peace, but he, un he what he was saying was the message that I'm bringing will be offensive to people because some people don't want to change. Some people love their ways more than they love the way of God. That's why the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And so people have a choice and we have to understand as Christians, as believers, we have to take a firm stance on truth and preach the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that we feel that we think are going to make people feel comfortable about. Because the thing the thing that happens when we only talk about the parts that that make people feel good, we don't we we're actually being a stumbling block to them and the other people that are watching us who we have influence over. Listen, I'm a firm believer that we can love and pray for people without sharing a mic and stage with them before actually seeing fruit in their lives. I think when we don't wait for fruit of repentance publicly, I believe it sends mixed messages to people and misleads people into what it actually means to be saved. And so as as believers, we have to be we have to be real with ourselves. Like if we if let's 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 keep it all the way 100. Let's talk about the primary purpose of a collaboration. If we're just talking the real purpose of a collaboration, the purpose of a collaboration is for you to be introduced to my audience and vice versa. You know, I always hear I always hear the gospel artists and Christians say, man, you know how many people in, in Nicki Minaj's audience is going to be exposed to to the Christian artist music now? You know how many how many people are going to hear the gospel now? And I say, hey, man, we this is a two way street, though. You know how many of Tasha Cobb's or Lecrae's fans? are now going to feel at liberty and affirmed to, to go forward and listen to the secular artist music? Do you know how many people are going to be influenced and stumble in their faith now because of the affirmation of a Christian artist affirming someone who represents uh, ungodly art and, and glorifies sin in their art? And so it is it's a two way street. It's not just a one way street. And so this is what what why I think, man, we have to we have to be balanced when we have these conversations and when we approach these topics, because it's not just a one way street. And so when we look at the purpose of a collaboration, even when I look at the collaborations with the artists, you know, I, I look at Lecrae uh, working with artists like a Bun B or a Big Crit. And I'll use Bun B as an example. Bun B is now traveling around to colleges teaching hip hop as a religion, teaching that you are that you are a God. And the same with David Banner. It, it's funny, man. It, it, not funny, but it's crazy how after these artists feature on the gospel artist albums, these artists tend to get worse. You know, right after Nicki Minaj did. Uh, featured on uh, Tasha Cobb's album, like literally almost a month later, just a month later, she comes out on the cover of a magazine basically naked. 
Like neck, like, and so it's like, we have to be careful what we attach ourselves to. And so when people say that, hey, Jesus ate with sinners, I say, man, this is more like the story of the soothsayer in Acts chapter 16. And I think this story is really important as it relates to this conversation, because when we look at the story of the soothsayer in the Bible, when, if, if you have your Bibles when and you're listening to this, just take notes. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 19. It says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So in other words, the apostles are, are ministering. They're preaching the gospel. People are being healed and set free. And the Bible lets us know that they enter into this particular town and location where there is a psychic or a witch, a soothsayer, who who has a big following because it says that she's making her master great gain. So we know she has influence. She has a customer base. People are being influenced by her doctrines and her teachings by her by the spirit of divination. And so the Bible lets us know she she, she attaches herself to the apostles in verse in verse. Uh, hold on one second. Let me find my spot. Lost my spot. But in verse 17, it says the same followed Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high god which show unto us the way of salvation so in other words what she did was because she saw the influence of the apostles she saw them healing the sick casting out devils and and preaching the gospel and people being one to their to the gospel that they're preaching and so what she did was because what they were doing began to affect her business she attached herself to them and became a human billboard for them and she began to say these men are the servants of the most high which show unto us the way of salvation so peep this what she was saying was actually true what she was saying actually glorified God She's saying these are the mighty men of God who have the words of everlasting life. They're they're preaching about the true and living God. What she's saying is true, but her motive was not right. Her motive was to attach herself to the apostles and leverage their influence for her gain, for her mission, for the mission of the devil. And so this is what we see with these collaborations, we see the Christian artists co collaborating with the secular artists and, and the secular artists attaches themselves to the message of the Christian artists and uses the Christian artists influence for leverage. And it doesn't matter that the secular artist has a bigger following, but they attach themselves to the gospel artists and use their influence and their and their and their credibility to gain credibility in the church or with people as it relates to God. And then after they are done with the Christian artists, they go right back to glorifying sin. They go right back to glorifying the devil. They go right back to preaching 
doctrines of demons and glorifying sin and blaspheming. And in a lot of cases, like I said, they become worse. And so when we look at the soothsayer, the Bible lets us know in verse 18, and this did she many days. So she's following them for days. But it says, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. I want to point out something important in here, in this story. If Paul and the apostles were starstruck, they would have never been able to discern her. Because the Bible lets us know she made her master great gain. She had a following. She had a fan base. And if they, and, and what happens with a lot of us as Christians and the Christian artists included in preachers, we become so starstruck with people in the world that we're, we're no longer able to be effective at ministering to them. And it's because we covet their position. We covet their fame. We covet their money. We covet their stages. We covet their awards. We covet their praise. If the apostles were starstruck, they would have never discerned her. And so in, in, in our instances, in our cases, instead of us being able to effectively minister to people, we're so starstruck. We're so busy coveting the world's success. When we should be ministering to them, we're affirming them. When we should be preaching the gospel to them, we're celebrating them. Because they, they have more than us or because they have more recognition to, than us or they have something that we want. And so, no, this is not Jesus eating with sinners. This is the apostles and the soothsayer. Romans 12 and 1 through 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And so, man, we have to renew our minds as believers and, and put on the mind of Christ as Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which it was also in Christ Jesus. Man, I want to look more like Jesus so I can so I can please him and love my neighbor the way I'm supposed to. And for us to do that, we have to be separate. We have to deny ourselves. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And so I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that God loves you and that he cares for you and that he gave his only begotten son for you and that you can walk in victory because it is finished. Listen, I want you to send in your prayer requests to pathofrevelationnow at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments about any of the shows that you hear. I want you to send in your comments and your questions. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God with you. And I want you to be encouraged. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be overtaken by the evil in this day, but we can stand in Christ, understanding that we are victorious by his blood.
and that when he died on the cross, the work was completed and all we have to do is put our trust in him and turn away from our sins and turn away from the wickedness in this world. And so be encouraged. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. This is the Path of Revelation podcast. This is where the culture meets scripture. You know it's not about me. Forget the lights in the stage. My glory just fade. His glory displayed. That's what we want to see. He's King of Kings. Jesus reigns. Well, they claim to be God and claim to be hot. My God, it's the flame. So burning me, God, set me ablaze. Don't want to be swayed to live for pleasing men. So burn the facade, cause only you, God, deserves the boast. So kill my pride and sin. Live for applause, to leave him in awe. Dropping the jaws, your glory's flawed, glory's flawed. When flesh is evolved, your wicked dissolve. And probably evolve to Christ is exalted, so we exalt I'm so not industry, I don't care who's enemy. See, so busy killing my flesh, a mess in the inner me. In agreement with the enemy, uh. Don't get it twisted, Satan's defeated. Believe it that Jesus is seated in power and glory. And surely, his brother that was pouring is for me. It flows me that Jesus is for me. Me, adores me, and doctor restore me. Cause we could go 364 days sinless. I still need repentance, deserve a death sentence. Our righteousness is filthy, we're guilty, in need of a savior. And only Jesus working the peace, the wrath of our maker. Only he's worthy of glory, so we bow down. This is entertainment, too much preachers hold down. But that's because they want affirmation from a crowd. Instead of being affirmed by God and playing the background. Uh, we aim to please our king, not to please a crowd. Please a crowd every time.